I'm not ashamed to admit that I could learn something from a woman. That just wasn't what spoke to my heart. So, uh, but yeah, it was a good message about the faith of a woman who overcame some obstacles to get the attention of the Lord, and that was a good message. But uh, anyway, it, it really was also one other thing, just kind of neat. And you know, the final chapters have not been written on any of our lives until we take our final breath. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen to Raul? All right. But uh, Raul has been coming here for how long? Four years? All right, so since he was 13 years old. And the pastor up at uh, uh, Liberal Kansas, for those of you who don't know his testimony, he and his brother uh, were not raised in a godly home, were not raised in a Christian situation at all. And uh, they, are the product as, uh, uh, they are the product of the bus ministry. And he said that the bus ministry reached him and his uh, little brother whenever he was 16. He said he was a long-haired, loud-mouthed, obnoxious young man. And uh, because of the investment that the church made in him, he's now been at that church 30-something years as an associate and then now as the pastor. And it's just an amazing story. And you can't help but think of someone like Raul who think, you know, loud-mouthed, obnoxious. <laughs> about that same age, you know, and I'm thinking, you know what, there might be potential for this kid, and uh, it's worth the investment, because you never have, uh, you, you never know what that investment could result in one day. God knows, I hope he's not the pastor of this church one day, but uh, maybe a good Spanish pastor somewhere, and uh, using that uh, connection there but uh, truly that was an encouragement to me just to be able to look down the aisle where we were sitting see Raul and know hey there's there's some fruit to this ministry and it's something to stay involved in and to stay invested in because you never know uh, how God may use that one day so that that was an encouragement as well and Birdo we're not ashamed to admit we learned something from a woman we don't admit it very often but we're not ashamed to admit it from time to time all right, Matthew chapter 6 tonight, Matthew chapter 6. Just know, and I apologize, this will not be the longest message in the world. So we won't be here for another hour, I apologize, but uh, yeah, I know, I know. But uh, we are going to look at the Word of God in the next few moments, and I trust it will be a help to us. Father, I pray that you'd uh, bless now this time in your Word. I pray that you'd use it to speak to our hearts Lord, we are thankful for the weekend that some of us were able to enjoy. We're thankful, Lord, for maybe the challenge we could, we could present uh, to someone here this evening. And, Lord, just the accountability is good. I pray that in these next few moments now you'd help us to uh, be reminded of what most of us are going to know, I'm sure. But uh, the reminder is good, and I pray that you'd help us to use it in our lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week talked about fishing. I wonder how many of us have fished any this week. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or any kind of public testimony, but did any of us fish? Because you're not going to catch anything if you're not casting. Okay? So that was what we talked about last week, and we'll just leave it at that because uh, you probably remember what the overall point of the message was, and we've got to be fishing if we're going to be catching. And uh, we can't, can't let the dry hooks and the discouragement keep us from fishing. All right? So, anyways, three weeks ago, we began looking at chapter 6, and in the first couple of verses, the first four verses, 
We watched as Christ spoke on the subject of giving of alms, that being a, a measure of generosity or benevolence to those who are in need. And I said that it was assumed by Christ that the disciples, that followers of Christ, would be generous, that they would not be selfish, that they would not be stingy, that they would not be tight-fisted. God expects you and I as believers to be generous individuals. However, whenever we give, it's supposed to be very discreet. It's supposed to be a private matter, and we're not talking about the tithes and the offerings or things of that nature, but when we would do something for someone else, it's supposed to be a very discreet thing. He said in verse number 3 that we're not supposed to let our left hand know what our right hand is doing, and he said whenever you give in this manner, whenever you give with this kind of a heart and with this kind of an attitude, then the Lord sees that in secret and he rewards it openly. And how God chooses to do that is up to him. It is up to, to his discretion as to how he will reward us openly. But Christ said that when we give and we give the way that we're supposed to and we don't give for the praise of man, that God will reward us openly and somehow our obedience will be made known to those around us. And then two weeks ago, we looked at verses 5 through 8. And Christ continued on this theme of what is expected of believers and what is assumed that would be true of us. And the subject of prayer was brought up. And so two weeks ago, we talked about how it is just assumed and it is expected that the children of God would be men and women of prayer. There was no thought in the mind of Christ or in the mind of God that the children of God would not be people who try to communicate with God in the area of prayer. And yet so many people go throughout their daily lives, so many people go throughout their Christian lives, and they don't pray as they should, they don't pray as they ought. And so what Christ was saying in verses 5 through 8 is this, is you don't want to pray like the hypocrites. You don't want to be like those who seek out the opportunity to pray on the street corners or in the synagogues and be seen and heard of men. He said if they do that, then they have their reward. He said that you don't want to pray with just the vain repetition. In verse number 7, assuming that that will be what causes your prayer to be heard, what he said you want to do is this. He said in verse number 6, When thou prayest, enter into thy closet, which thou, uh, which thou, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And so I tried to remind us two weeks ago that you and I, in order to have a prayer life that honors God, we have got to get away from all the distractions. We've got to get away from all the things that would pull us away in our mind, and we have got to spend time alone with God. It's fine to drive or to, to pray while driving, while working, while, while fixing supper, whatever it may be. It's fine to be praying in those situations, but every one of us need alone time with God in prayer. Are, are we awake tonight? Come on. We need alone time with God. And so if you're not getting alone with God in the realm of prayer, the prayer life is not what it's supposed to be. And so I'm just encouraging and I'm challenging us again that in your prayer life, don't, don't say something like this, well, I just pray all the time. Because first of all, we know it's not true. Second of all, it's not possible. And third, that's not what God called us to do. He said, get alone with God. Amen. Get alone with God. Spend time in prayer with Him. And then let God reward you openly that which you would do in secret. Now, tonight, just very briefly, I'm going to mention something. 
that I trust you'll be able to identify with in a couple of moments. But uh, a couple of weeks, well, about a week and a half ago now, I don't know exactly when it was, I tiled a portion of my kitchen floor. Now, that, that doesn't mean anything to you, but you don't know what kind of a victory that represents in my own personal life. Because I know nothing about tiling anything. Whenever we you know, redid our bathrooms and our kitchen before, one of the things that I said to Susie repeatedly was this, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't believe this is the place to learn. I don't want to learn on my kitchen floor. I don't want to learn on my bathrooms. I would rather learn on someone else's stuff. That way, if it looks like trash, it's their problem, not my problem. Okay, but so uh, because I was afraid to do this, because I was afraid to enter into this territory that I was kind of unfamiliar with, this work that I was unfamiliar with, uh, I, I, I just did not want to do it. I wanted to stay away from it. But this week... In the last week, I tiled and I grouted. And while it's not as great as maybe what a professional would do, you know what? It got the job done. It got the job done. Again, a, a tile guy who does this every day, they may walk in and say, oh, yeah, I see your lines. That's when you poke them in the eye and say, well, don't look at it anymore. You know, they may come in and say, well, yeah, you kind of messed up your grout here. Well, just whatever. It got done. It's decent, for sure, if not borderline good. Now, what's that got to do with anything? Tonight I want us to remember what Christ is talking about. He's talking about the subject of prayer. Okay? You remember this? We just went over this. So please act like you at least remember it tonight if not from two weeks ago. And what was the subject about in the, in the area of prayer? It was this. Listen, you don't go to the synagogues and you don't try to seek the attention and the, and the praise of man and how you pray, whether it be on the street corners or in the synagogues. That is what Christ is talking about. And he says, don't use the vain repetitions so we understand this. Now, tonight I want us to think about who Christ is addressing. It's the disciples, correct? The disciples were somewhat, at least in part, a pretty rough group of guys, were they not? That's uh, not to mean that or su to suggest that they were ignorant or uneducated or, or cavemanish in their mannerisms or their, their manner of life, but I mean, some of these guys, they, they were pretty rough around the edges. And I don't know about you, but as I look through the scripture, you don't see that all of these men had a lot of religious influence in their life prior to coming to Christ and following him. Now, that's not to say they didn't have some influence, but it's not as though we read, well, this disciple was raised in this Christian family, and, and this disciple was raised in a family that was looking for the Messiah, and this disciple was, was taught in the ways of, of the Jews and, and very trained and educated. That's not what we read of all of them. In fact, we know very little about most of them, except that they were a fisherman or a tax collector or things of that nature. But again, the, the disciples, from what we can tell, kind of a rough background. And here's Christ talking about the subject of prayer, and he's saying, now listen, we don't want to pray like the hypocrites who make their way to the synagogues or the street corners at the right time. 
And we don't just want to use vain repetition. And so he says in verse number 9, he says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Now what does it mean when Christ says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Well, if the idea is this. Disciples, I want you to use what I'm about to tell you as a format for your prayer life. He is not saying and he is not suggesting that this, that this is supposed to be the exact way that you pray every time. Now, there is nothing wrong with any of us quoting the Lord's Prayer. You understand this, right? I've been to many funerals and we were asked to quote the Lord's Prayer. And I've been in different situations where I've heard people quote the Lord's Prayer. Obviously, if Christ is the one giving the words, there is nothing wrong with you and I saying the Lord's Prayer. However, what Christ was saying is this. After this manner or after this format, this is how you ought to pray. Now, why would Christ have to say to his disciples, After this manner, therefore, pray ye? Well, it could only indicate one thing. That there were at least a couple, if not a few, if not most of the disciples who did not quite know how to pray. If you already know something, do I need to come teach you how to do it? <laughs> Only if I'm pretty arrogant and thinking I know better than you. Does this make sense? Yeah, but I mean, if you're already fairly well versed in what it is you're doing, if you're already fairly acquainted with what it is you're doing, I don't then need to come to you and say, okay, now listen, here's how you do this. Because you'll probably look at me and say, thanks, but I've already got it. Okay, so here is Christ, and he is dealing with the subject of prayer. He's dealing with hypocrites and how they try to pray these beautiful, eloquent prayers. And he says, now listen, here is how you're supposed to pray, and you need to use this as a format in your life. Now, here's what I'm going to suggest, and you can disagree with me if you want, but I think otherwise, why would Christ be saying any of this if it were not so? Here is what I think, that there were some men who were traveling with Christ, who were no doubt believers, who no doubt had placed their faith in Christ outside of Judas and here is what would be true of at least a handful if not most of them and that is this they were uncertain as to how to even pray not comfortable with the idea of prayer this isn't something I grew up doing all the time this, something, this isn't something that I was exposed to growing up in our house. I mean, it's not as though we heard dad pray and mom pray or grandma and grandpa pray. And so, you know, I'm just kind of not comfortable in this and, and I'm not really sure that I know what I'm doing. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but kind of like me with tile work, you know, and just kind of wanting to stay away from it because I'm not real comfortable with it. I don't know if you realize this or not, but there are many people who are Christians who are not real comfortable with the subject of prayer or praying publicly because one of the things they struggle with is this. They feel like they don't know exactly what they're doing when they pray. Because they've heard the professionals pray. 
And they know how the professionals pray. The professionals know how to say, Fathers, we come to you this evening. We thank thee for what you have provided for us. And they know when to say the these and the thous. And they know how to exaggerate the word God. And they know how to remember to pray for this and to pray for this and to say this and to say that. And, and whether we remember this stage of life or not, there are other people who are in this stage where they're sitting there saying, Man, I hope he never calls on me to pray. Because I don't know the first thing about praying publicly. And because I don't really even know how to pray, I feel awkward going to God trying to pray. Well, what do you do? I mean, good night. I mean, you just say, okay, well, I mean, Lord bless us. Amen. And it's like, did I do it right? You know, the professional who's critical, uh, well, you know, you didn't do it quite right. Well, I want us to remember tonight that God is not as worried about our style or delivery in prayer as he is about you and I praying. See, you may sit here this evening and say, I'm completely comfortable with the idea of praying. You're going to call on me to pray any time. And at a ladies' meeting, if Susie ever wants to call on me to pray, just tell her I am more than ready and more than willing. Well, good for you, but not every man and every woman in this room feels that level of comfort. And again, there are people who, even in their own personal life, it's not that they want to be rebellious. It's not that they want to be disobedient. It's not that they want to ignore this idea of prayer. But they would simply have to admit this. Man, I don't even know what I'm doing. And because I don't feel like I know what I'm doing, I'd rather just stay away from it and just trust God to take care of all of it. And so tonight and for the next couple of weeks... We're going to look at the format that Christ gave the disciples on the subject of prayer so that hopefully when we're done with all this, not one of us, if we'll hear all this and apply it, not one of us will be able to say, well, I don't know how to pray. Because it's kind of like doing tile. You discover it's really not as complicated as you've made it out to be in your mind. You made it a lot more difficult in your mind than it truly is. So prayer is not near as difficult as we would assume it to be. And, and prayer is not near as formal as we might think it needs to be. And so how do we know? Well, look in verse number 9. He says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven. Our Father which art in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but immediately I recognize that that's not how I speak. My Father which art in heaven. That's not how I speak. But that would have been the the manner of speech in which the the, the scripture was translated and, and Christ would have been speaking to them in their own vernacular. But here is what Christ says, when you pray, recognize that you are speaking to your father. Now I know that what I'm about to say does not resonate with everyone and it's not something that everyone can identify with because of the relationship you may or may not have even begun to have, have with your own father. But here's what you know if you had a good father, that is this, that you were able to go to your father about anything at any time. Now, someone, again, may say, well, man, I didn't have a very good relationship with my father, or my father wasn't even around, or, you know, my father, he and I just, we, we didn't do that kind of stuff. I understand, but try to think about for just a moment then, as an adult, what kind of relationship you want with your children. 
You want your children to feel the liberty to come to you at any time about anything without fear of being rebuked or, or cast out or made fun of or anything of that nature. That's what you want. And what Christ is saying to the disciples is this. Remember that when you pray, you are praying to your Father. Somewhat ironic that my dad should be here tonight. Because I cannot help but think of my relationship with my dad as I think about my relationship with my own heavenly father. See, I think of my dad and most of the time it's, hey dad. Not the most formal of addresses to him. Sometimes in being light or being somewhat silly, I'll say, hello father, how are you? And he may say, hello, Sonny, how are you? It's a wonderful greeting back and forth with each other. Sometimes, for whatever reason, it strikes me every once in a while, I'll say, hello, Jim. And he'll say, hello, Kyle. But here's the thing. As it relates to my dad, I can say, dad, father, Jim, maybe something else, I don't know. But as I go to my dad, here is what I experience and here is what I feel. A liberty to approach him. Now understand, please, there are other men in my life that I could not begin to approach them with the same things that I would approach my father about. If my dad says he's going in for a test or he's going to go to the doctor, guess what I'll do? I'll, go, I'll, I'll call him and say, so what would you find out? What did the doctor tell you? I'm not real worried about privacy at that moment. I'm not real worried about him trying to keep this cloak of secrecy between he and I. Why? Because I feel a liberty to talk to him about these things. If, if he, you know, back when he had a real job and not a teacher. <laughs> I'm just playing. And, and I knew that there were situations related to his job. There would be times that I would talk to him simply about that and, and, and I would talk and we would visit and we would discuss things and it was a very open and frank conversation. We've talked about money, things that I would never talk about with someone else. What am I trying to convey? I'm trying to convey this, that with my dad, with my father, there is an openness that I can approach him about anything I want to approach him about and, and, and I don't feel like, oh man, I'm going to get in trouble for this one. Now, I say that for this reason. Whenever you and I approach the Father in prayer, we may say, Father, uh, God, uh, Lord, uh, this is kind of awkward for me, but uh, God, and then we start. But what I want us to be reminded of tonight is this, is that as we would desire that relationship with our own kids, and maybe some of us were able to enjoy it with our own fathers, here is what we have got to remember. Anything that we want to go to God about, we have the liberty to go to Him within reason. Now, somebody says, well, why would you say within reason? Well, it's kind of like with my own dad. There are certain things that I don't need to visit with him about. It was already established a long time ago. 
You say, well, what do you mean? It would sound maybe something like this. Hey, Dad, uh, Susie and I have kind of hit a rough patch in the finances. You know, we were going along pretty good, and, you know, we were doing good, and things were fine and all that other stuff, but we kind of hit a, a patch, and, and, and it's just kind of a rough patch. Just going to be very honest with you, Dad. So here's what I've been thinking about, and I just want your opinion. Dad, what do you think about me robbing a bank? See, I, I don't need to have that conversation with him. It's already established. Son, that's stupid. Okay, Dad, you know, uh, you know, Susie and I, we, we've been fussing a little bit, and we've been arguing, and, you know, and she gripes about this, and, yeah, I gripe about this. And, and so, Dad, you know, we're just kind of having odd moments and tension and, and fighting. And so, Dad, I, I want your opinion on me leaving Susie. Boy, you know what I expect. We don't even need to talk about that. Grow up, be the guy you're supposed to be, and tell Susie to be the woman that she's supposed to be, and y'all figure this out, but grow up. See, I don't need to talk to my dad about that. Why? Because it was ingrained in my head a long time ago. You don't walk away. You don't give up. You don't quit. You don't just, you know, do the convenient thing and leave just because you're tired of working on the marriage. Now, understand, please, I can go to God about anything. But I don't need to go to him about things which are already established that he's not going to change his opinion of. See, whenever I go to God, I don't need to say something like this. God, should I work and provide for my family? Or should I let that be Susie's job? It's established. There are certain things that I don't need to pray about, like, well, God, should I be faithful to her, or is it okay to kind of adopt the world's way of thinking and, and, and you know, have an extramarital relationship? I, I don't have to pray about that. That'd be stupid, right? I don't have to pray every week as to whether or not we ought to go to church. We're going to be in the house of God. I don't need to pray about whether or not I ought to tithe. Why? Because the Bible is clear I ought to tithe. The Bible is pretty clear that I, I need to take care of my family. The Bible is clear that I need to be a peacemaker, that I need to be, you know, merciful. There are so many things that the Bible is clear on that I don't need to go to God about those things. But if I'm worried, guess what I can do? I can go to God about that. Well, what do you have to be worried about? What qualifies? Anything. Anything I'm worried about, anything I'm concerned about, I can go to God with. If I've got uh, some direction that I need in life. I go to God and I say, God, I, I need some direction in my life. If we're hurting, we tell God. It does not matter what the subject is. God, I need your help. God, I need direction. I'm not coming to you today saying, uh, should I go to work? Should I take care of my family? Should I be faithful? Should we go to church? Should I tithe? Should I be a Christian? Should I or should I not You know, let corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth? That's not what I'm praying about. But God, because you said for me to come to you like you are my father, then, then, God, this is what I'm coming to you with. And the beautiful thing is this. 
God never says as our Father, don't bother me with that. God never sends us away and says, are you serious? You prayed about that? I, I know that we've all experienced this at some point in our lives, but, but taking prayer requests sometimes, you know, you'll have a child raise their hand, and some of the things that they want you to pray for, your immediate tendency would be something like this. Well, that's kind of silly. Well, you know who it's silly to? It is only silly to the adults. Why? Because if it matters to a child, it matters to the father. And that's something I had to learn with a child or with children, that sometimes they're going to pray for things, things and in the back of your mind you say, oh, kid, don't pray for that. But then you realize, no, 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 we take everything to the Father. We're not trying to sound eloquent. We're not trying to sound pious. We're not trying to sound like the Pharisees who pray in the synagogues and in the open corners and, and trying to get the attention of men. No, what we're doing is whenever we decide to pray and do it correctly, we're going into that prayer closet and we're recognizing, I'm talking to Dad. And Dad, I want to come to you and I want to visit with you for a few minutes. And so, God, I've got this situation. And, God, you know that I'm dealing with this. And, God, I'm, I'm addressing this. And... And we'll talk more about this in the future. I know that sometimes we can pray selfishly. And sometimes that needs to be changed and we need to comply more to His will than our will. But the bottom line is this. Christ said to His disciples, who probably, at least a handful of them, felt very uncomfortable on how do we even pray. He says, listen, pray after this manner. Use this as a format, our Father which art in heaven. Realize your God is your Father. But then he said this, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. What does it mean when something is hallowed? It means it is sacred or it is special. This is not like everything else. This is different. Who is God to us? He is our Father. Okay, you, again, you, you may not have had a great relationship with your father, but you want a great relationship with your children, correct? Okay. So do you care if they call you dad, father, papa, pappy, grandpa, grandma? Do, do you care? You don't care. So long as it's said with the right spirit and the right attitude. True? My kids could say, Father, and me be completely okay with it. They could also say, Father, with an attitude, and me threaten to smack them. Why? Because I am your father. So I may call my dad one evening and say, hey, dad, and he's cool with that. I may call him one evening and say, hey, father, and he's okay with that. I may call him one evening and say, hello, Jim, and him say, hello, Kyle, and he's okay with that. But I'll tell you this, even to this day with the, you know, I'm a man and he's a man. Listen, if I want to stay on good terms with dad, I still better treat him with the respect that his position as my father deserves. 
Now, every one of us are aware of this, that we want our children to be comfortable in coming to us. We want them to know that they can come to us anytime about anything. It doesn't matter. Call us at 3 o'clock in the morning if that's what you need to do, and we'll do whatever we can to help out so long as it's within, you know, we're not going to hurt you in doing it. We, we understand that. But every one of us, if we're honest, we'd say this. At the same time, we want our children to address us in a manner that is respectful and appropriate in how they talk to us. Now listen, God wants me to come to Him at any time. God wants me to come to Him with anything. He wants you to do the same thing. He wants our children to do the same thing. Anyone who is a child of God, He wants us to recognize that He is our Father and I come to Him in heaven and, and I bring to Him any request or petition or concern that I have. But listen now, in doing so, I never lose sight of the fact that I am talking to God. His name is hallowed. His name is special. His name is sacred. And friends, we may talk to other people in ways that aren't respectful sometimes. And we may talk to other people with, you know, a, a less than a right spirit sometimes. But you and I do not ever have the right to approach God with anything but reverence and respect and a right heart and a right attitude. Because we are talking to God, the creator, the sustainer, the maker of this world. And uh, if anyone deserves respect, it's God. Now, why is that important? Because we live in a society today that is trying to so humanize God that if we're not careful, we take that whole father approach far too far. And many times people speak to God as though they're speaking to one of their fishing buddies. Hey, man, Father, we just come to you. If you think I'm exaggerating, watch Christian TV. And it's a very secular mentality. It's a very irreverent heart and very irreverent atmosphere about it. And, and, and we've, in many cases, sacrificed the idea that the name of the Father is sacred and it's special. And it deserves a measure of respect as we enter into that conversation. And so, again, here are these disciples. And Christ says to them, now listen, it's after this manner. It's after this format. I'm going to give you a template to use. And here's what you can do. Whenever you pray, because you may not know how to pray, you may not feel comfortable praying, you may not feel like you're qualified to pray because you've heard the hypocrites pray so long, you think that that's the way it has to be. Listen, he says, I want you to remember this. God, you, do, you speak to him as though you would your father. You come to him about anything, anytime, anywhere, whatever it may be. But, but you come to him in the right attitude and the right spirit. Now, this evening, I'm going to do what I did two weeks ago, just very quickly, and we're almost done. But I want to remind us, you're supposed to pray. If you're a child of God, you are supposed to have a time of prayer. Someone says, well, I've got a really crazy schedule. I don't care. Christ knew what it was like to have a crazy schedule. He could never get away from people. And you see over and over and over again Christ stealing away what? For the purpose of prayer. And if anyone didn't need to pray, it was Christ. And he still prayed. So if he felt the need and the urgency to get alone with God and pray, then we should feel the need and that sense of urgency to get alone and pray 
regardless of what our schedule is, regardless of what our excuses may be, but when we go to God, if you're not comfortable in it, if, if you feel awkward in it, if you just feel like, man, I don't even know what I'm doing, remember this when you get up in the morning. Whenever you have the prayer time tomorrow, remember, you don't have to say thee and thou and God and all that. He's your father. And begin training yourself, if nothing else, to realize I need to talk to God just like I would want my children to talk to me. I'm just going to lay it out there. God, here's what's going on. God, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening in my marriage, with my finances, with my health, with the church, with this family situation. God, here's what's going on. And God, I'm asking you, would you take care of it? Would you fix it? Would you help me? Whatever it is we need, just do so with the right attitude. If you'll just do it with the right attitude and then end like this, uh, amen. You know what you just had? Prayer time. Will your lines be straight and perfect? Nah. But it'll be good enough, I can promise you. And I can promise you this, it's a whole lot better than nothing. You and I need to be people of prayer. But we don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to let it intimidate us. We can take comfort in knowing God just wants to hear from us. So go to God. And speak to him with the right attitude and the right spirit. And you are beginning the steps of obedience in your prayer life. All right? Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I do pray that you would remind every one of us this evening that you have given us the liberty to come to you with anything and everything at any time, what would be on our heart. God, would you help us to remember tonight that there is nothing so insignificant that we should not bother you with, that there is nothing really that we can't bring before you unless you have already established in your word what the answer is. So God, would you help us today to remember or to learn even tonight that we have that liberty with you? And God, would you just help us to also to remember that no matter what, we always have to keep a right attitude and a right spirit towards you. We can't come to you in our anger. We can't come to you in our frustration and expect that to be the right kind of an approach to you. And so, God, would you help us to remember how special, how hallowed, how sacred your name is. And would you help us all to be the men and women and young people and children of prayer that we're supposed to be. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren plays, if you do need to pray, please do.